the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Eight of the top ten Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Inside Business Podcast with me, Cliff Taylor, standing in for Kieran Hancock. On this week's show, I am joined by a panel of guests to discuss US President Donald Trump's tax reforms and how they might affect Ireland. Tax expert with Grant Thornton, Peter Vale, said there is still a lot of uncertainty around what will actually happen. And while there are no signs of US companies deciding to move out of Ireland, certainly some investments are being put on hold. Irish Times columnist Chris Johns spoke about the need for some radical thinking in the face of Trump's proposed reforms. And newly installed Irish Times Washington correspondent Suzanne Lynch joined us on the line to give us the view from the US. If you'd like to support this podcast, you might like to tell your friends and colleagues that Inside Business is free to download from iTunes. You'll also find us on irishtimes.com, on SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you'd like to have your say on the issues we cover, you can email businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. Chris Johns, we'll come to you first. When Donald Trump was elected, all the expectation was stock markets crashing, dollar falling, economic catastrophe. In the meantime, the exact opposite seems to have happened. The markets are going up, the dollar's going up, and uh, growth figures have been reasonably good. Did, Did everyone get it wrong? Yes, another reminder that uh, short-term economic forecasting is is really for the birds and that we shouldn't even try. Um, One of the things that's happened, um, well, it happened at about the same time that Donald Trump was being elected, um, and I think it's a coincidence, I don't think the two events are in any way causally related, but the world economy, including the US, and perhaps especially the US, began to pick up quite strongly. Um, And some would say at last... Uh, We've been waiting for it for years uh, following the great financial crisis and all of the stimulus, zero interest rates, money being pumped into the economy. We kind of gotten used to growth always being noticeable by its absence, not very much of it, no inflation, just trundling along, growth forecasts always being cut back year after year, expectations being dashed. Um, And just as we kind of got used to that world, the the economy just seems to have taken off, not not in a spectacular way, but but in a way that certainly surprised all the forecasters. Yet again, a reminder not to pay too much attention to them, but certainly a surprise. And um, I think the first uh, entity to, to notice that was the stock market. So the stock market has been doing very well since last autumn. Um, and I think it's partially coincidence that it happened at about the same time Trump was elected. So the stock market rally that we've seen in the States and elsewhere has been attributed to Trump, mm-hmm. which I think is fine. And um, that's partially true. But a bigger part of the truth is that the stock market noticed very early on that the world economy was in much better shape than we thought it was. And the stock market being what it is, it, it paid attention. If we, if, if we hadn't had Trump and, and other things like Brexit to talk about and write about, I suspect we'd be paying an awful lot more attention to, to this takeoff um, of, the, of the world economy. And this is good for the new president, presumably, because he can, he can to some extent, claim, claim credit for it if the US economic figures come good. Oh, there's no doubt that he will. Um, I suspect that the, the, the opponents of Donald Trump, their worst nightmare is that we will be six, 12 months down the road getting towards the end of this year, going into next year. And these trends that I've just described, which are very preliminary, but, but they are there, these trends have continued and that the world is in a much better economic shape than we thought and that um, things are going great guns, in which case Mr. Trump will be claiming all of the credit, which I guess for his opponents is the worst possible outcome. Absolutely. But 
Is there a danger that he can upset things with some of his policies? There's talk of uh, trade wars. Uh, there's talk that he will target Mexico and China in particular. Uh, there, there's a very um, detailed tax agenda, which will have implications for global investment. Does, does strong growth mean that he can sit back and do, and do less or do you think he's likely to push ahead? I think he's quite likely to push ahead with his agenda. I mean, all of the things that we've learned about Trump, the one thing that comes through is that he is delivering on his campaign promises mm. and he's got a list of things to work through and he is working through them. One of the reasons why many people expected stock markets to take a dive after the election of Trump was this uh, prospect of a trade war with Mexico, perhaps with Canada, perhaps with China, perhaps even with Europe because a trade war would be incredibly negative for the growth outlook. Mm. That story that I've just been telling you would quickly go into reverse if there is a proper trade mm. war. Um, but so far, it's all talk. The reality is better growth. The reality is that companies are doing, doing well. The reality is that the first thing that he's done, apart from picking verbal fights with people, is that he started to repeal something called Dodd-Frank, mm. which is the post-financial crisis legislation that was put in place to rein in the banks to stop another financial crisis from happening. And the main, one of the main imports of that is that banks are required and other financial institutions are, are made to hold more capital to become safer, which depresses their profitability. Mm. And if you throw all of that into reverse, which is what he's doing, they become more profitable. Mm. So their share prices go up. So part of the stock market rally is responding to real news, which is that these regulations, which have been put in place by the Obama administration, it looks like they're going to be repealed. Mm. Suzanne Lynch in Washington, if I might come to you next. Um, you've just landed there as the uh, Irish Times uh, Washington correspondent. How do you find the mood in in Washington? Is everybody waking up every morning, checking their phones to see what Donald Trump has said now? Yes, I think that is a good description of what's happening here. I mean, this is a very divided country and a very divided uh, city. Um, in that you have got this new uh, incoming administration with all their staff and a real sense of change in the guard here in Washington, D.C., which itself voted overwhelmingly for uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the big trends here in the first few weeks of Donald Trump's presidency is this relationship between Donald Trump and Congress. Now, obviously, Republicans control Congress, and this is going to be crucial in terms of how far he can go with his financial um, and tax plans. Um, but in the last few days, even, we have seen signs of, of cracks there in that relationship. A number of Republicans who were already uncomfortable with Donald Trump and who did try to kind of rally behind him have already in the last few days expressed concerns, for example, on his moves on immigration mm-hmm. and his comments on the judiciary. So, you know, will we see that coming uh, to bear uh, when he moves forward with tax reform and financial regulation in the next few months? Um, that's going to be an important thing to keep in mind. Sure. And, of course, some of the big tech companies are, are lining up to oppose his uh, his, his immigration moves as well. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, just as I mentioned there, the Dodd-Frank uh, regulation and his move back to repeal and all of that, and that obviously would have gone down well with a lot of banks. And so many of uh, Trump's senior advisors are from the banking um, and the financial community. And um, so, yes, that will go down well. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of the tech companies coming out. And in an unprecedented move, you had 97 tech companies, including Google, Apple, Facebook, um, issuing a uh, filing to the courts in San Francisco about opposing basically this uh, immigration ban um, on the grounds of its impact on its workforce. 
Uh, so, you know, he's treading, in one sense, you could see Trump is going to be very pro-business. He's got a lot of business people around him. Um, but, of course, the business community, yes, they welcome Dodd-Frank changes, but, you know, how are they going to respond to other changes, for example, in tax? Um, this whole issue of the border adjustment tax. Now, we know real knowledge yet of how this is going to work. But, for example, there's a question mark, will financial services be included in that? How is that going to affect a lot of uh, the banking uh, sector, the New York-based banking sector in particular? So um, I think there is still a wait-and-see uh, approach here to see what exactly is going to come out of it, because as we know, um, you know, policy here can slip and flop. And I think people are guarded until they see details of these new proposals. Thanks. I might uh, just come to you, uh, Peter Vale of Grant Thornton there, in relation, Suzanne mentioned the border adjustment tax, which is this proposed move to, uh, I suppose, penalise companies who are manufacturing products overseas and, and importing them uh, back into, into America and encourage people to export. Is there any clarity on how this might work? Yeah, probably, Cliff, picking up on what Chris and Suzanne have said. I mean, there's still, I mean, we know something is going to happen, but we don't know yet what that mm. will be, and there's lots of uncertainty. So I suppose, step back, is anybody doing anything radically now? Is everybody deciding to move out of Ireland? No, but at the same time, some investment decisions are certainly on hold pending mm. resolution of that uncertainty. Um, if you think about it, there are lots of non-tax reasons why US groups base themselves in Europe, access to markets, etc., availability of labour, and then tax becomes a part of that. If you want to be in Europe, you're still going to pick the country, potentially with the lowest tax rate. That's clearly very relevant. So that's pulling people towards a country like Ireland. So that's positive. But then you're thinking, well, hold on, against that, you've got things like this border adjustment tax, and part of that is saying, well, hold on, maybe if you don't set up an Ireland, maybe if you sell from the US into Europe, direct, export yeah. directly into Europe, you'll pay 0% tax in the US. And that then is a reason not to set up in Europe. So you're balancing the commercial benefits of being in the market versus, hold on, I've 0% tax if I'm doing this all from the US. So that's that on its own is clearly a danger for yeah. Ireland. The other bit of the border adjustment tax is this import duty, which is effectively penalising US groups for, bringing, for importing from outside of the US. So companies who are, American companies who are, say, manufacturing in Ireland or Britain or wherever and are selling back into America... Exactly. They're the targets of this move, so so they 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 would pay an extra extra tax on the product or on their profits, or or we don't know yet. Probably in terms of effectively not allowing them a tax deduction for the imports into the US. Okay, so and so it hits their corporation tax then. It, it does. I mean, many US groups in Ireland they're not here to sell back into the US, and most yes. a lot of groups will use Ireland as a base for anything other than the US. Mm. But there will be some sectors where that isn't the case, and this will be relevant. Particularly farm is the obvious example where they do sell back manufacture in Ireland and they do sell back into the US. So that. That would be relevant for them. I mean, go back to the other point in terms of the export sales, which is incentivizing US groups not to set up in Europe and do it all from the US. Mm. The un- unknown there is, well, how will Europe respond? Well, that's all very well for the US, but what if Europe effectively penalizes those groups for selling directly into Europe with some sort of a tariff or tax? Then it's almost, okay, well, maybe we better set up in Europe again, and then yeah. well, who's got the lowest tax? So it's hard to know how this will resolve. And Suzanne talked about the cracks, and that's one area around this border adjustment tax, because it is probably one of the single biggest issues for Ireland. Will that actually get over the line? Mm. Very unclear at this point. And you said, uh, you're saying there that some projects had been put on hold. Are they, in your view, new projects coming into Ireland or expansions of existing companies, American companies with, with operations here already, or, or, or both? It's probably anybody, to be honest, who's making an investment decision. It's very hard to make the correct decision with this much uncertainty. So they probably do want to set up in Europe. But I think it's just wait and see. Let's just see how this all pans out. And then let's decide then. And I suppose the view is that we'll know that within probably 
you know, three to six months anyway. So, you know, you can't postpone these decisions indefinitely. And if we get, if we have it within that range, then that's probably okay. If it goes beyond that, then I think you just, well, we've got to make a decision. But if it does go beyond that, then probably the position is that those changes haven't come in in the way we would have thought or we think now they will sure. come in. But with Brexit and this, there's, I suppose, two reasons for companies to stand back and, well, and, 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 and wait for a while, is there? Well, there is. But we all thought we got, you know, all this global tax talk and all the, the BEPS project. You know, the question is, well, how does all this fit in? How is the US now going to embrace BEPS? Because mm. BEPS is very much a collaborative way of tackling this tax BEPS avoidance. BEPS is the, o- the OECD process to, to tackle tax avoidance. Exactly, which saw a lot of nations collaborate. And clearly we're in an environment now, maybe a little bit less collaboration and yeah. globalisation isn't as good as it was. Well, how does the US, and the US would have been quite a big driver of BEPS. How does that, what does that mean for groups? If you're a tax person in a group, a tax tax director, what does that mean for your tax, effective tax rate? Very hard to know. Then you've got other EU developments. You've still got the old CCCTB out there. Mm. So lots That's of things. That's the common tax base that being pushed by exactly. the European Commission. Use the EU, what they're trying to drive in the EU. And then you've got countries doing their own thing, the UK. So there are lots of things coming together to make it very difficult. To, so a whole, a whole agenda of tackling tax avoidance by big companies, but a great uncertainty yeah. about how exactly it's going to happen. Exactly. And I think we'll get some of the US uncertainty, hopefully cleared up perhaps midway through this year, a lot of the other aspects. We're still going to be living with that, I think, for the next two, three years anyway. Okay. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. Back after these. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life, June 2015. Welcome back. Suzanne Lynch in Washington. There's been a lot of talk uh, from Donald Trump about tax reform, but obviously he has to get this through Congress. He's to negotiate with Congress and get an agreement. What's the word on the street over there about how this is going to play out? But what's been happening in the first few weeks here is that really the whole immigration and travel ban story is really... Um, dominated um, attention and discussion here, and, and that's taken centre stage. So in a sense, taxation uh, has taken a back seat. Similarly, there's a lot of discussion going on behind the scenes about Obamacare, how to repeal that, how to replace that. And it now looks like uh, the Republicans are running into difficulty on that and won't be uh, in a position to kind of pre- present an alternative maybe into next year, uh, Donald Trump said at the weekend. So in that sense, I suppose, um, the expectation is we'll get a bit more detail on uh, tax reform uh, maybe in a couple of months. Um, but whether if they, for example, shelve Obamacare uh, reform for the moment and whether tax will come back onto the agenda more quickly, that's, that's another possibility. Mm. But what's happening at the moment is that a lot of senior figures from the Trump administration are holding behind-the-scenes meetings with Republicans. I take the border adjustment tax. Um, President Trump himself actually said a while ago that he thought uh, perhaps it was too complicated. Um, now, he seems to have rolled back from that position, but we're not entirely sure about his views on that. Um, but there's a, a powerful um, Republican called Kevin Brady. He's the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, which is basically the tax committee. He was appointed to that after Paul Ryan. And uh, he's this week meeting with senior Republicans on Capitol Hill, trying to explain uh, different options on border adjustment tax and trying to kind of garner support for that. We've also got um, Gary Cohn. He's a very senior figure in the administration here. He's the was appointed director of the National Economic Council, a very rich man. He was the uh, chief uh, operating officer of Goldman Sachs and is very well known in the business community here. Now, over the weekend, again, he kind of 
was equivocal about the issue of a border adjustment tax and saying, you know, what it was one of a number of of uh, policies being looked at. So really what they're looking at on a very broad way is how to fund uh, the overall uh, cut in corporate tax that they want to introduce. That's bringing the 35% level right down to 15 and 20%. Um, so using in a kind of simplistic way, but using uh, other changes in the tax code to, to fund uh, this broad-based uh, cut. But obviously it's highly complex. It impinges on a lot of small businesses, um, a lot of small importers as well as as, as the big guys you think about that are in, um, that have moved their, a lot of their operations abroad. So uh, getting Republican and congressional support for this is going to be crucial and it's going to be extremely complex. But again, I think officials are not expecting something on this until you know, after April, after May uh, at the moment. Okay, so we're still looking at a tax-cutting agenda for corporations and personal taxpayers, but yeah. we're, we're not yet clear how it's going to play out how it's going to be funded, essentially, and whether this border adjustment tax is going to come in. But, I mean, this is very much a Republican a mantra, you know, low tax, low regulation, um, looking at, at cutting tax for corporates, uh, both small and, and large. So I do think, and it, it's getting back to a similar debate in Europe, really, you know, the public appetite is there to reform the tax code. I mean, I think there is bipartisan support. The Democrats, as well as the Republicans, do want to... Um, there would be rights, for example, in comparison to immigration. That is a much more um, divisive issue, I think. Whereas with taxation, I think across the board there is a willingness to try and reform America's uh, tax code. But once you get into the details of this, that's where the battles are going to be fought and are going to be highly complex. Okay, Chris Johns, Donald Trump is not the first US president to promise big changes in uh, in taxation. Ta- and many others have failed. The tax code in the states of course is 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 well known for many things but not least its complexity, yeah. its length. Um it, it would occupy the space of this table the many many books and so the promises to cut back, simplify it um have been uh, around for a long period of time. And tax reform means different things to different people. Yeah. It means different things to the Democrats than it means to the Republicans. It means paying less to people. For, for the Republicans, it means cuts to corporation tax mm. and cuts to higher earning individuals. Mm. They're not talking about reforming the tax code for the likes of you and me, mate, I can assure you. Um, and the way they're going to pay for it is by cutting entitlement programs. That's mm. the Republican agenda. Um, the Democrats are Welfare not... Welfare spending, in other words. E- exactly. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all of these, um, uh, you know, cherished programs uh, dating back to the 1930s in in some cases in the United States um, are are, are up for grabs. Um, The problem with Trump's tax reform agenda is is, is, it's not really reform, it's cutting, which is a a different type of change. And the fiscal implications of that are that the budget deficit will be blown uh, to smithereens. Um, And Mainstream Republicans hate this because the one thing that they are all um, in Congress in favor of is, 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 is what we would call austerity, keeping the fiscal deficit under control. Trump doesn't seem to care. He wants to just cut taxes um, and actually increase spending on infrastructure as well. And that's also part of his, his, his promised program. So there is a train wreck or at least a collision coming between him and, um, you know, fiscal orthodoxy. Um, and, and there are plenty of those in, in Congress in the Republican Party. And there is a battle royal to come between the Republicans and the Democrats over who, who is going to pay for, for not really tax... I suspect we're not going to get tax reform. Yeah. Um, Congress, I think, is almost genetically modified not to deliver on reform. It delivers just more complexity. We have it here. It's everywhere. Yeah. You know, we're incapable of simplifying. We just add... 
Peter, uh, tax accountants like complications, I suppose, to some extent. Yeah. Uh, how do you see this playing out? And what, what are the key other key issues for Ireland as well as the, as well as the border tax, in your view? Yeah, well, I mean, the, corporate, the, the potential cut in the corporate rate itself is significant as well, mm-hmm. coming down from 35 to 15, 20, probably 20, if you're guessing. Um, and he's doing other things around that then. So he's talking about potentially, going back to the infrastructure, encouraging heavy spend, giving you a year one write down mm-hmm. for actually spending building, buildings. And again, trying to encourage investment in manufacturing, et cetera, mm-hmm. in the US and incentivizing that. But at the same time, limiting certain other things. So limiting interest deductions, which will be good for some groups, bad for the broadly, I would agree, broadly, a lot of this is tax cuts. So there will be many, many winners, more winners than losers. There will be some losers, but more winners. I mean, from Ireland's perspective, Again, if you're looking at doing something in the US, you're looking at 20% tax rate versus 125 in Ireland. Mm. Again, if you're saying, well, look, I want to be in Europe, Ireland still stands out, still quite a tax differential. And bear in mind as well, the 20% is just the federal rate. There will mm. still be another four or five on top of that mm. in states. You're still probably talking about double the tax rate in the US. Okay, so Donald Trump has aimed for 15, but the, the talk is that in negotiations with Congress, we may end up around 20. Well, we were laughing about compromise earlier on, but I mean, I think, you know, it probably, if it's gone down to up anywhere, it's probably more likely around 20 in yeah. the United States. So there'll still be quite a differential, but mm. clearly other bits of the border adjustment tax, that might incentivize people to do more in the US, but we don't know will that bit come in and talking about trying to balance the budget. He is probably reliant on that actually to balance his budget. So whether he bring in bits of that and, other, and, and, and leaves out other bits, mm. we don't know. So, so there's not a huge amount Ireland can do clearly about what's happened yeah. in the US. In fact, probably nothing we can do. Mm. All we can do is continue to make our own regime as attractive as possible, mm. push the positive aspects of it and hope that that sticks. And look, there are lots of non-tax reasons and we talked about their plans to maybe curb immigration clearly in the US. The mm. supply of labour will probably become, it's already an issue in the US in terms of at full employment. Mm. Ireland isn't. So still ticks the box in a lot of the non-tax reasons. Mm. Companies that come to Ireland, they're not just here for tax. They often come for tax. You ask them five years later, why are they still here? It's not tax anymore. It's still relevant. It's ac- access to EU markets. So that is still a big driver and you, you can't ignore that. And that isn't going to go away. So there will be lots of other incentives to be in Europe. And then looking at our tax rate, still the lowest, still effectively the lowest. So Ireland still comes out on top. And perhaps access to an international workforce may be a, may be a factor as well. It potentially will be It's already easier and probably a lot easier here than in other jurisdictions. Are we going to see Irish corporates setting up more operations in the US on the basis that they may be able to sell more easily into the US market from, from a US base than from a base in Europe. I know obviously some of the big Irish companies have, have bases there already, but is this a trend that's going to accelerate? Yeah, there's already a huge investment by Irish mm. companies. Some of those stats are interesting. And it's something actually in the context of Brexit actually going off on a tangent that you know is relevant as well for different reasons, mm. looking to set up in the UK as maybe a currency hedge or whatever. Yeah, I think you'll see some of that. You're right, Cliff, you're, you're already seeing it with Irish groups setting up in the US. And I think it's something they would certainly contemplate. If the tax rate becomes lower, in the US than purely on a cost basis, you'd say, well, hold on, maybe we are better off doing some things in the US. I think it'll be it'll be market-driven. I mean, the differential is still, Ireland still have a lower tax regime. Mm. It depends on what reforms he brings in in terms of that adjustment, the border adjustment tax and other things. I mean, would you do it just for tax? No, I don't think so. Um, but certainly in terms of the access to market point, yeah, there's a reason to be in but the US. I suppose if you look back five or six years or, or even up to now, there was a real incentive for U.S. companies to, to to establish operations outside the U.S. to cut their tax bill on all the profits they earned yeah. outside outside of America. Yeah, that game looks like it might be coming to an end. Well, he's trying to. He is trying mm. to make that come to an end. I mean, we're all, and the world even ignoring all the trumpets. 
it's totally changed. The global tax environment has totally changed. Anyway, it's all about tax up until three months ago. It's all about where's your value creation activities. And that was a very big difference in the past. We could, you could stick your IP in an island where there was nobody and effectively pay 0% tax. So this that is isn't the, the case anymore. OECD system of where, where, exactly. where you're actually doing doing stuff and, and, and the idea that you should pay yeah. tax so in, I think in that location. groups had got their heads around paying more tax. You were going to pay more tax. Mm. The question where, and again, Ireland had, having a low rate, why not put your people here, your value creation here, and lower your effective tax rate, acknowledging that that's... 12 and a half is higher than zero, but that's probably the best you can get. This has now turned it upside down for US, Irish and US, anywhere that the US is doing business with. What does it mean? And again, coming back, it's very hard to predict what should you do from a tax perspective because we just don't know sure. where the, you know, when the music is going to stop, where, where will we be? Should we cut our tax rate? I think, Chris, no is the, and there has been some debate on that. My view on it is probably no, and we've seen other countries move it down and then go back up again. It just creates that uncertainty, and there's enough out there. We have that certainty now. Minister Noonan did every opportunity, says, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to move it up or down, and I think that's probably the right way. It's worth thinking about. Um, at the moment, I would say, no, we're best keeping it the way it is, because if it does come down, there's always the danger. Well, then, that's not 12 and a half anymore. Maybe it'll go up to 15, or where am I to go after that? I, I, I just might add that you know in this new world that we're in, I, it requires some uh, you know thinking from left field, radical thinking. This it, you know tomorrow's world is not going to be yesterday's, sure. and I think that some some something if it isn't actually radical thinking on our tax rates, we're going to have to be radical about something. Sure. Yeah, I would agree on that. I think we do have to be bold, and the time to be not bold has passed, and it is. To, mm. you know, we we may miss a trick, and in other countries will be probably be aggressive in terms of how they're pushing their own jurisdictions, tax benefits, and I think we do need to do likewise. Suzanne, if I could just come to you finally to ask on uh, the trade issue, which is the other big economic agenda of uh, Donald Trump. He, in, his, in his campaign, he targeted Mexico, he targeted China, there were talk of tariffs. What's the, is, is there much talk about that in Washington in terms of yeah. early moves? I mean, as I as I said earlier, I think the immigration issue, Obamacare, has kind of dominated things, and trade has been put on the back burner. Of course, Mr. Trump could come along with some more executive orders any day. Mm. I mean, that's what happened in the early parts of, of the presidency, and they're still kind of dealing with the fallout in the courts of those. Um, but in saying that, I think his move away from the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, very significant. Um, you know, Japan, Australia, uh, the main countries there affected in that. And then, of course, TTIP, the EU-US trade deal that Obama had um, endorsed, that looks like it is now not going to happen. And there was already fading support for that in Europe. So, I mean, those two things in in themselves are very significant in terms of US trade policy. But, I mean, earlier this year, a lot of officials close to Mr. Trump uh, spoke about this, as they called, asymmetric relationship between China in particular and the US and uh, arguing that the trade deal benefits China more than the U.S. That's really what people are going to look for now. What is he going to do in terms of its trade relationship with China? Mm. Of course, China is now in the WTO as well. Um, But there's a lot of concern here all the time about Chinese steel, for example. That's a huge issue. Um, But all of this is going to be bound in with the border adjustment tax and what happens with that. And obviously, Mexico would be hugely affected by that, particularly um, from what I'm hearing in the car industry. Yeah. So many parts are imported from um, uh, from Mexico into the U.S. And, you know, if that was to happen, a, a tax on that, that would have huge implications there. OK, thanks, Suzanne. Chris, whatever about tax, any restrictions on trade are really bad news for Ireland, I presume. Yes. I mean, we are probably, I mean, I describe it as a hyper-globalised economy. If, if we're not the most open trading economy in the world. We're certainly up there 
depending on how you measure these things. So any hit to world trade, um, to our trade, would be is potentially very serious. Hence my question a minute ago about the the time is now to be bold. We need to be, to the extent that we can. And I, I understand the limitations on, on what, how we can prepare for this, but if there is any kind of a trade war coming, you know, there is no good news in that for us at all. Okay, well, we wait and watch to see what the next executive order will will bring or the next tweet from the White House. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Business. My thanks to Peter Vale, to Chris Johns and Suzanne Lynch. The podcast was produced by Jennifer Ryan with Rob O'Sullivan on sound. Don't forget, you can get the latest business news by signing up to our email, businesstoday at irishtimes.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Cliff Taylor. Until next time, take care.